Hello, spooky listeners. From our spooky gay family to yours, we wish you a very creepy Christmas. <laughs> going on not a lot how are you i am still kicking <laughs> i am having quite a day it has been uh, a very uh crazy day as a matter of fact while you were we of course as what we always say we record the mini-sode before we record the main episode every week while you were downstairs unfortunately i saw on facebook that uh, Stephen Sondheim passed away, which is very sad. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, it really sucks because I have always been a huge Stephen Sondheim fan. And he wrote some of my favorite musicals like uh, Sweeney Todd and West Side Story, uh, Into the Woods. Like all these amazing, amazing musicals and um, so many wonderful, wonderful artists have kind of made their way through the Stephen Sondheim catalog. It feels worse than like most other celebrity deaths because he really was like just a fucking genius. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you a Sondheim fan? Yeah. I mean, I really like Into the Woods. I like Sweeney Todd with Sondheim too, right? Yeah. Um. I'm not as knowledgeable about his catalog as I'm sure you are, but um, no, I enjoyed his stuff. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. I I think his musicals are very enjoyable, but they're also kind of groundbreaking and, and smart in so many ways that, uh, that other artists strive to. Like he really, he sets a high bar and I think, it's it's a very sad loss, I think, for the musical theater word, world. If you're not a musical theater person, uh, you can fast forward a few seconds. I'll, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this. But I really do want to say how uh, how sorely he will be missed because I, I love his music. And uh, it's really, it's something phenomenal, like, to listen to someone who is so talented create something so amazing and to see the most talented people then interpret it is really Mm -hmm. amazing. Gypsy was uh, his lyrics. And I think, again, you get so much of the the beauty of his mind and (laughs) lyrics like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Uh, Yeah. So go, go listen to Gypsy today. If you're, uh, if you're, looking to find a way to honor Steven Sondheim. That's that's my gift to everybody. What's new with you <laughs> since I started on such a high note? <laughs> um, I'm on painkillers, so I'm great. You're on painkillers? Yeah, I rolled my ankle last week and the pain was getting worse, so we went to urgent care this week, the day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm on 
Tylenol with codeine and I feel great. Is it like, are you, are like, are you injured or is it just like you pulled a muscle? <sighs> he thinks that I, that I hurt my tendon. Mm-hmm. Which is why my ankle's bothering me. Like, I didn't break anything or anything, and it's not... He didn't say the word sprained, so I'm assuming it's not sprained. But hmm. um, it does hurt like a motherfucker, so... <laughs> well, I, I mean, got pills. you're staying off it mostly, aren't you? For the most part, yeah. At least you don't have to work this week. No. That's very strenuous. It is extremely strenuous for me to sit in a chair. <laughs> all that sitting there and working with your hands. Yeah. It's terrible for your feet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that you'd hurt yourself. I'm fine. I also hurt myself before Thanksgiving. What'd you do? I burned myself on the fucking oven. <laughs> uh, you can see I have like a line there that uh, it's like right here. I I was pulling. And it, the worst part is it wasn't even Thanksgiving food. I was making cheeseburgers and I make my bacon in the oven the way you and Ina Garten taught me. Yeah. Um. And so I was pulling the rack with the bacon out of the oven and I just happened to like move my arm in the wrong direction and caught the very lip of the oven and just burned the shit out of like one little inch of my arm. (laughs) That sucks. I hate hate it when that happens. That really blows. Well, and the worst part is like, it didn't feel that bad in the moment. I was like, oh, I caught myself. I ran under cold water for a second. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't even feel it. Kept going about my day. And then later that day, um, this is so gross and graphic, but it like blistered a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, that can't be good. So I put a little Neosporin on and I'm fine. But uh, it was like one of those moments where I'm like, great. So uh, I'm just going to have this like ugly fucking bacon scar on my <laughs> arm. From now on. What was that fucking gross stuff that Nanny used to give us to put Caramel. on burns? That was so disgusting. It it just smelled like death and it probably worked, but it was like, I wouldn't even know. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what's in it either. All I know is that it smelled awful and it didn't really help that much. It smelled like, like rotting wood in a (laughs) bottle. It was so bizarre. And like I said, it worked. So I can't, I can't take it from her, but, uh, yeah, that shit was gross. Yeah, it was totally nasty. Have you ever had like a bad burn? I wouldn't say a bad one. I've gotten like, I think the worst time I ever burned myself was when I was frying. I don't even remember what I was frying now. Oh, egg rolls. We were making egg rolls. Mm, wait, tell me about these egg rolls. What kind of egg rolls? Uh, Pork belly with cabbage and something else oh i think i used like broccoli slaw oh i was so excited i was like we need to make these egg rolls and then you were like broccoli slaw and i was like oh i'm out <laughs> i would put cheese they were in tasty i made a dipping sauce that was pretty good it wasn't bad what was in the dipping sauce um it was fig jam and marmalade so it was like an mm. orange figgy thing Not i mean quite it sounds good duck sauce but yeah no we made them for christmas but either way um yeah no i got like spattered like all over this arm and mm. it hurt like a motherfucker it sucked yeah but it's awful and then it like 
it like bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> if this was anything but a horror podcast, I wouldn't be describing this. Yeah. But I'm like, you have seen worse in fucking Saw. Uh, yeah, burns are the fucking worst. I will never forget when um, I didn't realize that someone had made tea on my stove mm-hmm. and I went and walked over and didn't realize, I didn't know the burner was hot and oh, like no. went to lean down and put my hand on the burner and was like, ah! <laughs> it was like home alone. I was like, ah! I was like Joe Pesci. <laughs> and literally for like weeks had like the rings of my burner oh. on my hand. It was, it was insane. Uh, you know what that really got me thinking because you were talking about these egg rolls. I'm not done with this. Okay. So, um, I think what we should do is create a Christmas egg roll that's pork belly mm-hmm. and brie with like a cranberry dipping sauce. Okay. I mean, that would involve me making homemade cranberry sauce because you can't dip it in the jelly can. I think if we melt the jelly can, I'd be down. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> How do you melt that? Though? I'm just going to put it in the microwave for 30 seconds and hope for the best. I don't even think it would take 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you just look at it long enough, it'll disintegrate. <laughs> for those of you who are not patrons, we discussed the merits of homemade cranberry sauce versus the kind that come in the can this week. We did. And my argument is that the kind that comes in the can is superior to all kinds. Uh, and Sam did not necessarily agree. No, but that's because I like the cranberry sauce that I make. And yours is good. It's just not my taste. That's fine. I'll, I'll take that. Is that the best diplomatic answer yes. I can give you? <laughs> <laughs> what else did you do this week? Um, Absolutely nothing. I took a vacation this week so i sat on the couch and watched tv i miss vacations i want to go on a vacation i think after christmas i might take like six days off Mm -hmm. i can't take seven because one of my gigs i missed like three weeks in october (laughs) i was like i was like i can't call out again for another like year and a half but i think i'll i'll do like friday to wednesday (laughs) (laughs) I'll, i'll just take off one week um i also had I had a busy week. I did not, it was not relaxing by any means, but I did have a good Thanksgiving and uh, Wednesday was fun. I'm working on some fun new projects, uh, a lot of cool stuff coming up. One thing I did, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but one thing that I did do was Wednesday night, like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I, uh, I watched a documentary on HBO that was really good. What was it? It was called uh, Four Hours at the Capitol. Oh, I've seen the like thumbnail for it. Have I you? Haven't, I haven't watched it yet. Are you going to watch it? Probably not. I, I think it is a great documentary. I don't know if you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Why on earth could that be? I think it will stress you out. Um, it is uh, four hours at the Capitol is an HBO documentary. It um, it was talking about the insurrection on January sixth, yeah, which David and I just realized was our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the other day we were talking, I was like, "Wasn't that our anniversary?" And he was like, "Oh yeah." Um, I will say 
this documentary kind of brought to light and again not to get into any into that heavy a discussion about it but i think a lot of people myself included realized how bad it was but not the gravity of the situation on the on january 6th what do you mean in that like obviously it's like you know anyone storms a capitol building you're like oh my god this is bad but it's like watching the documentary you don't realize how close we were to a possible coup coup yeah and in my opinion and i'm not even going to speak on behalf of the documentary because if i'm being honest the documentary was very uh evenly weighted it was not leaning in favor of either side it was really how do you not lean against the insurrectionists? <laughs> it was it was in every manner a documentary. Okay. It was just presenting the information. Okay. I think anyone watching it would lean against the the insurrectionists as long as they're reasonable. Yeah. Um but the doc but my point is that the documentary was not simply saying look at these horrible people blah blah blah. Right. blah. Okay. It was like this is what happened. And this is what the people involved felt from it. Um, And that includes Proud Boys. It includes senators. It includes includes Congress people. It includes uh, uh, people from the Capitol Police. It, 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 a lot of people were interviewed and there is a shocking amount of footage that was used from literally like insurrectionists who were streaming (laughs) during the the events and you yeah, know the ones who are now wondering how they're going to be prosecuted and it's like you filmed yourself doing this asshole yeah <laughs> yeah a lot of that and then on top of it there were there was obviously uh like news there yeah and there was someone i was kind of surprised because it was like it was like a documentarian from the new york times who was filming but was among the insurrectionist mob. And I was like... Like a part of it or like I don't, in the middle of it? No, it's not really made clear. Okay. I mean... I that, have a hard time being... I have a hard time believing that they would have been part of it. But it was like... He was like walking through the halls with them and filming them. And on that hand, it's like, well, I mean, he's they a journalist. They weren't exactly shy about media attention that day no but i'm saying as a journalist i would probably feel uncomfortable walking through the capitol while it was being stormed you know what i mean i mean i guess you have like war correspondents and things like that that's kind of part of their job i guess yeah and that's a fair point i think it just struck me as odd i was like oh that's weird (laughs) like (laughs) like Neither good nor bad, but odd and disconcerting. But, you know, a lot of the commentary was like, I think to a lot of people, something like that feels so surreal that it's hard to, it's hard to put anything like that into context and be like, well, like, it's one thing to say, yes, uh, you know, 
this many policemen were injured and one died and this woman got shot and whatever. It's like, oh my God, think about how crazy that must have been. But it's another thing to like... See it. It's, yeah. I mean, there is footage that shows the woman crawling up through the window in the door Mm -hmm. and then you see the cop like the cop's hand like fire his gun right and you see the woman fall you do not see her physically get shot okay but it is graphic yeah it it is graphic for anyone and i would advise them uh, to be careful of that if they were planning on watching um and you see um the police officer who was dragged out by the mob yeah uh, like you see him get dragged out and him like screaming for help and it, like, and I think for the average person who doesn't understand how insane a moment it was, they should watch it because it's like you really should understand how fucking insane that was. I c- kind of, I'm actually I get more angry when people say it wasn't a big deal than people say that they, they were right. Like, it's kind of the way I feel about, like, people who vote Republican and people who don't vote at all. It's like, (laughs) if you thought that this wasn't a big deal, like, I don't know how to help you. Like, like, it's like you're, you're mad at people for voting Republican, but it's like, how could you not vote at all? Yeah, it's like, I expect people who believe a certain way to behave a certain way. Yeah. I expect all people to take a side. Yeah. Like, because you kind of have to. This isn't this isn't something that you can just sit out and go, not my circus, not my monkeys, because it directly affects you. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And it's insane because, and again, not to bring up something else, because I don't want this to turn into a yeah. political rant. But, you know, it very much had that, like, kind of Kyle Rittenhouse feel to me where, like, they are interviewing literal people who were involved in the insurrection in yeah. this documentary. And. The answers they were giving were so, like, manipulative. It was like, I didn't realize what was going on. I, w- I was just following the crowd. I was just doing this. I was just doing... And it's like... It's at like a how'd you end up on point, the Senate floor then? And that's my point. It's like, at a certain point, you, that argument only goes so far. It's like... Once you're standing in the Capitol and you've broken through the windows and climbed in through the glass and you've taken over a government building. Yeah. The argument of I was just following the people in front of me kind of ceases to be realistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the these kind of crafty, manipulative answers that people have that they know. It's It's like the documentary version of pleading the fifth where it's like, I'm not going to incriminate myself by saying I knew what I was doing, but here's footage of me climbing onto the Senate floor and and attacking police officers and hitting them with fences and doing all this stuff. But I didn't know what I was doing. It was, I was just, I was just protesting. It's like, if that's how you feel, then I don't ever want to hear you complain about BLM again, but yeah, whatever it is what it is but the point is the point of all of this is to say i didn't come here to have a political conversation today but (laughs) i did watch that really great documentary and i do recommend it to uh anyone who feels that they can handle it like i said there are um graphic depictions of violence and 
uh, it is unsettling. It really was like one of those things where after watching that documentary, and like I said, it was very, it was not heavy handed. This documentary was like, this is what happened and this is what happened next. After watching that documentary, I have come to the conclusion, it is my personal opinion, that Trump was trying to start an insurrection and that he was trying to uh, declare martial law and overtake the government. I... And I know that's a horrible, horrifying thing to say, yeah. but <laughs> it is... No, I think I think he absolutely wanted them to go down there and disrupt the vote. Yeah. Like, I don't know... I don't know that he had actually planned a coup because I don't know if I can give him the credit for that kind of organizational skill. But he definitely wanted to disrupt the vote and he definitely wanted to scare the shit out of Congress. Yeah, but that does beg the question, what was his end game then? Like scaring Congress doesn't seem like an end game. Because he also, they they were contacting him asking him to send in the army. Yeah. And he didn't respond for hours. Yeah. <laughs> and he was down the street. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know. I And I... he didn't the thi- the the only reason it it freaks me out is because he didn't call it off. Yeah. Until the Virginia police showed up. Yeah. Because it was a matter of like literally a couple thousand people storming the Capitol versus like 40 cops. Yeah. And then the Virginia police department showed up in riot gear yeah. and got things under control. But before that, Trump didn't say anything. It wasn't until they retook the Capitol and got and started to dissipate people mm-hmm. that Trump was like, okay, uh, go home, do so in peace, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're saving your ass now after you just told them literally to march down the street to Congress and stop the vote. So I don't know. Yeah. But um, that's a that's a story for another day. Another little <laughs> pot of calm, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a little anti-pot of calm. Um. We did not come here to discuss uh, January 6th. Doesn't it make you feel warm and fuzzy inside? Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) I love thinking about that time there was almost a... Violent insurrection? Yes. Uh, Well, there was a violent insurrection. It was unsuccessful. It just... A violent coup, I should say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Do you have, like, a favorite documentary? A favorite documentary... Like, is there a documentary that, like, if someone said to you, oh, what's the last, like, really good documentary you watched? What, what would your answer be? Um, there's a series on Netflix called Trial by Media. That oh, was I very heard about good. this. Um, I haven't watched all of it yet, but I just watched the Bernie Getz episode. I don't really and know. And that was I, really... Um, I can't place what Bernie Getz did. Bernie Getz was the subway shooter in the 70s. He shot three men who he said were trying to rob him. Hmm. Um, there's no evidence that they weren't trying to rob him, but he shot them and killed two of them and paralyzed the third. Hmm. And there was this big debate in New York City, vigilantism versus, you know, do you have the right to, do you have the right to defend yourself or not? Mm -hmm. Which in New York, you technically do not. You technically do not, not lethally. 
Not yeah, not legally. Um, you you could get in a fist fight to defend yourself. Yeah, but you cannot. But you it's not an open unless state. absolutely necessary. You can't really kill someone. Yeah, unless they are trying to kill you. Um, but it came to light later that they had already backed off, and he shot them anyway, and like walked up and shot them when they were on the ground. So it looked a little bit less like self-defense. And more like revenge. <laughs> yeah, more like he wanted to kill somebody. <laughs> mm. So, um, but I mean, the documentary goes over the, the, the story and how it progressed in the media from Subway Vigilante to This Guy's an Asshole. And do they discuss multiple stories on this series? Or is it just yeah. the Bernie Gets? Yeah, no, they do multiple ones. There was... Um, I'm trying to remember now because it's it's been a couple of months now since I was watching it. Yeah. Um, they did. The I don't remember if it was Jer- Jerry Springer or Sally Jesse Raphael, but um, one of those shows. Um, had a guy on, and did like a someone has a secret crush on you, and it turned out to be another guy, mm. and the guy that they pulled this on went and killed that guy. And was blaming the TV show. And it was a huge media thing because does he have the right to say, I did this because of this thing that happened to me? No. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. The answer but, is no, by the way. But um, <laughs> no, he said it ruined his life. And, you know, he wasn't as in his right mind when he did it. And all kinds of other crazy, stupid shit that you don't have the right to shoot someone over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they did they did i think it might have been jenny jones i don't i don't know but they they did that story i think i've ever watched jenny jones (laughs) forgot she fucking existed if i'm being honest but yeah no they did that one they did bernie gets and there was one other one that i watched and now i can't remember what it was but no it's it's very interesting because they show you the entire crime through the media coverage Mm. and interviews with people who were covering it for the media and is it? Am I mistaken in thinking that the slant is like this is how the media affects the outcome of a trial? Yes. No, that's exactly what it is. It's it's how they influence public opinion, mm. and how that can influence what's happening in, in a, a jury box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially, that's what it comes down to. As true crime fans, we all know it's like. I personally don't feel this way, but I know a lot of true crime. Uh, aficionados who would love to be on the jury of a murder trial i I, personally would not i would never want to do that no i don't want to be on any jury let alone (laughs) uh one for a murder trial i actually would if i had to be on a jury i'd rather it was something much less significant because the terms are the stakes are much less high you know what i mean like i don't want to be deciding if someone is spending the rest of their life in jail or worse being sentenced to uh you know capital punishment or something like that i i don't want any part in that if i'm being honest well the good news is is that if it was a federal trial where the death penalty was involved they will ask you do you think you could vote to convict knowing that this was on the table and if you say no you're not on the jury i know that uh and again it's like well what would the qualifications of that be for me? Because 
there are some cases where, again, I suppose this kind of proves the point based on the media coverage. Yeah. I'm like, I would love to be there to make sure that this person goes to jail. Yeah. But that disqualifies me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't I don't know. It's no, also kind of very easy to watch like a documentary and be like, oh, my God, why didn't the jury feel this way? Yeah. In in retrospect, but in the moment, it's such a high pressure situation. I mean, what it comes down to is um, that whole preponderance of the evidence versus beyond a reasonable doubt thing. Mm. And that's the way you have to look at it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I'll have to check that series out. What was it called again? Uh, trial by media trial by media i'll have to look it up it's on netflix i'll i'll have a look uh today we did not come to discuss trial by media (laughs) or donald trump we came to discuss something even worse (laughs) that's not fair i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding uh this movie is not without its pluses okay that heartens me that you feel that way don't let it take you too much <laughs> because <laughs> I have a lot to say. But uh, today we are uh, going to be discussing, and welcome back, by the way, to my spooky gay family. <laughs> Since we got into the heavy conversation right off the bat, um, we are going to be discussing a fun movie today. This is a classic horror movie. It is uh, kind of a new classic, I would argue, right? I mean, 1982, I would argue at this point, you can say classic. It's almost 40 years ago. Yeah. But I feel like it does... Like, when I think of a classic horror movie, I think of, like, the universal monsters. You know what I mean? Okay. I mean, I guess that's fair. But at the same time, I would argue things like... (sighs) Things like the Flyer classic. Hmm. I would argue that there are a lot of movies from the 80s now that I feel like have are old enough now to be considered classic. I'm going to call them Classique Nouveau. Okay. I'm going to make it sound a little a little if more. You have to. <laughs> I'm going to make it sound a little more fancy. Uh, <laughs> as Mackenzie would say. I I'm I feel like it need we need a new title for so that we are not old by association. <laughs> is what it comes down to. Is that the to. reason? Yes. I don't want to be old because of these movies. So, we're going with new classic. That is the the title I'm coining for this this <laughs> genre of movie. It is a new classic movie. It is uh, certainly beloved and has become a staple in the haunting genre. We are getting into the 1982 ghost movie. Yeah, I would say ghost movie. Ghost movie starring Craig T. Nelson, Joe Beth Williams, and Heather O'Rourke, and. Zelda Rubenstein. We are, of course, discussing the much beloved Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who have never seen it before, this movie was written by several different people. The story and screenplay were written by Steven Spielberg, with screen re- with screenplay credits also given to Michael Grace. Gray Grace. G-R-A-I-S. How do you pronounce that? I guess Grace. Grace? Grace. Yeah. Grace. Michael Grace. 
and Mark Victor. Uh, I did not know that Steven Spielberg helped write this. Yeah, no, he was the producer and I believe he helped with the story. I don't think he wrote the the actual mm-hmm. dialogue or anything, but he helped with the story idea. Him as a producer makes a lot of sense to me, especially in the style of this movie. Uh, him as a writer does surprise me because the story is so bad, but we'll get to it. <laughs> um, like I said, we have several notable appearances in this movie we have uh craig t nelson who is arguably the most famous actor in this movie followed closely by joe beth williams uh then we have zelda rubenstein (laughs) i i don't want to get to her name yet but we'll 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 come back to good old zelda um we also have beatrice Strait. Uh, making a very, very notice, uh, notable appearance in this. We have Richard Lawson and Martin Casella. And we also have the uh, first appearance, the new appearance by Heather O'Rourke, who played famously Carol Ann Freeling. Um, this movie is about the Freeling family who moves into a a development of row houses Uh being produced by the father, Steve's company. Mm-hmm. And so he moves the family into this development and he is going about selling all of the houses. And it turns out that their house happens to be the host of a poltergeist. And after that, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into it. Uh Let's let's discuss, shall we? Yeah, let's go. General feelings. I like this movie. Um, I've always liked this movie. I watched it when I was younger mm-hmm. and found it really scary. I don't find it scary really anymore. But um, the, How old were the you first when you time first I watched it? it, I don't know, maybe like eight or nine. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it was still a relatively new movie at the time. I mean, not new, new, but no. it was within a decade. If I ish. was nine, it was if, if if I was nine, it was over ten years old, just slightly. Sure, eleven or twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, but I do know that it was as an adult. Okay, and that I may guess that would it may have shaped some of my feelings about it. How do you mean? Because I I enjoy this movie for some of the more comedic elements, but I do not think this is a particularly good movie. I guess that's fair, but... <laughs> We're going to have an entire conversation in slow mo. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to talk about this movie because I think I think there are a lot of problems with not necessarily the story, but the execution and certainly the characters. There are a lot of decisions in this movie that don't make sense, but I think that the this is a movie where it's supposed to be just a little ridiculous. And I love the fact that it's a little ridiculous. 
I don't think it's like a malignant though. No, it's not. It's not malignant level batshit crazy. But there are definitely a lot of questionable decisions made by characters in this film. I don't think questionable is a harsh enough response <laughs> to the decisions made by characters in this movie. Most of my notes for this movie start with what the fuck. <laughs> like that is the general consensus of every note that I took during this movie. I mean, I can see, I can see how you would get there. I just still think it, that it's fun. I think it's a fun movie. I think that there are a couple of scares in it that are still pretty decent. Like I said, scarier when I was younger, but are still fun. Like what? I like when Robbie almost gets eaten by the tree. I think it's funny. I also think... <laughs> I think the only scare that was really worthwhile mm -hmm. was the clown. The clown is creepy for no other reason than it has teeth. Yeah. Like, I don't understand how anyone could purchase that toy and be like, yeah, no, this is totally reasonable, a reasonable thing for a child to own. And not only that, but like at the end of the, I mean, we're just going to get right into it. At the end of the movie, after they've gotten Carol Ann back. Yeah. And she, and they're like, okay, kids, one more sleep in the house, which we'll get to this in, I'm sure. Uh, because these are the worst parents who have ever lived on the planet Earth. Uh, they're like, we emptied out your room. Except for this scary fucking clown. <laughs> and by the way, I know you just got sucked into an alternate dead dimension. But we're going to have you sleep alone in the dark. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? What is going on? Who are these people? Well, they thought that the house was safe now. They didn't think that anything was bad was going to happen. They didn't think anything was anything bad was going to happen when they were bobsledding in the kitchen either. But it did. <laughs> and if I were them, I probably would have slept as a family that night. I probably would have spent the night at a Holiday Inn. Which is funny because that's exactly where they go. I know. But, um... <laughs> No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue that. What the fuck are their names? Um, Steve and I think it's Diane. Diane. Um, it was the '80s, so I'm, it was I'm, Diane. I'm not gonna argue that Steve <laughs> and Diane are good parents or that they make good decisions. I don't I just... think they're good anything. <laughs> well, apparently he's a pretty good salesman. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> are you I'm okay? Have an aneurysm. This guy. <laughs> This guy was the shittiest piece of shit that has ever been shat. He is literal garbage. This man is like, if white privilege had legs, this man is <laughs> horrible. <laughs> you don't feel like that? No, I think that he's, he's kind of dumb, but like all of them are kind of dumb. So it doesn't really matter to me that he makes dumb, stupid decisions. Like, I don't think that he's a bad person. I think Are he's you? a horrible person. <laughs> I think he's literally a scum-sucking piece of shit. That is really extreme. Were you cranky when you watched this movie? Not particularly. Like, let's talk about after the haunting starts. And they have been thrown across the room. Carol Ann's in the television... Robbie's been, like, attacked in bed th by a tree. All kinds of shit has gone down in this house. Everything. 
There is no reason for this man to be a skeptic. And then his boss is like, hey, come up on this hill with me. And they're talking and he's like, see this cemetery? We're going to move it and build a house here. You want it? And the guy's like, I don't know. Uh, it would really ruin the view for uh, for all the houses down there. And he was like, well, what if... Down he's like, it's a beautiful view up here. But if you're down there, it would like totally devalue the property. And the boss is like, but do you want it? And he was like... Okay. And I was like, what the fuck? This guy is the reason for the this phrase, okay, boomer. Like, this guy is literally Mr. Boomer. He is Senor Boomer. Again, I think that's a little extreme. I don't think so. Especially since earlier in the movie, he was reading a book about Ronald Reagan. I was like, this guy can die in a fucking fire. I was like, this Republican motherfucker gets everything he, he deserves in this movie. Every, no one in this movie gets something they don't deserve. They are horrible, and I hate them. <laughs> like... Jack and Diane are the worst fucking parents. I'm he's Jack now. He's Jack. I don't give a shit because it's, okay. that's just what it is. Okay. Jack and Di Steve, they're Jack or whatever whatever one syllable name this guy has. They don't know where the children are. Carol Ann's getting sucked into the closet while Stevie's out in the tree and nobody's with any of them. And then the fucking daughter is apparently at the Holiday Inn get getting screwed six ways from Sunday and, and I'm like what is wrong with this family I'm where like, did you get that because when the mom is like we're gonna stay at the Holiday Inn the daughter's like oh yeah I, I remember that place I saw the the renovation or whatever she says and the mom's like what and she's like are you ever gonna fix this gray in your hair and it's like what I was like is the girl like a, is their daughter like a sex worker I don't understand what's <laughs> happening here and then on top of it Diane is like the worst mom ever. I don't understand how you did not pick up on this. Literally, while she is, the daughter is like walking through the backyard and 40 year old men yeah, are no, like cat calling her. And the mom's inside with a potato peeler, peeling the first six layers of skin off her hands. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? No, go, that part go is outside. Gross. That part is gross. I will give you that. But it's like irresponsible. These are the most irresponsible parents. And then the mom's like, guess what? The, the chairs stack themselves. And if you sit in this spot, it drags you across the floor. Watch our six-year-old do it. <laughs> I'd be, I was Again. like, Diane, take your medication <laughs> and stop. Why are you out of your fucking mind? I think you are holding these people to a standard that... Are you telling me that if when we were kids... Dad? No, mom would have killed us if we had done half the shit that the children in this film do. I'm not even talking to kids. Like, I'm saying the adults. If the adults in our family had done what the adults in this family did, I'd say they deserve to be in prison. <laughs> the adults in this family, they're smoking pot and pushing the kids across the floor. And then they're like, I don't know how this happened. And then later in the movie, they're going for, looking for help. And they bring the psychologists in and the and the paranormal team and they're talking to fucking, I almost called her Reagan. They're talking to Carol Ann and they're like, <laughs> yeah, this is how we do it now. I'm like, how long has she been in the TV? Who are you people? <laughs> they just didn't give a flying fuck that their daughter got sucked into the television and that well, they have to tune exactly into. Do you go to for help for that? I don't know. But if the only way you can to talk to your daughter is by tuning into Channel 3 after 2 a.m., you've made a mistake. <laughs> you've made a huge mistake. 
They didn't suck her into the closet. They didn't know that that was going to happen. They didn't suck her out. Well, yeah, they do. They they do that in the course of the film. They go get her. But by the time they get to the paranormal investigators, they have clearly established rules. They don't go in the room anymore. They talk to Carol Ann on the television. It's like, it's been days at least. I'm going with weeks if I'm being honest. Probably. These are irresponsible people. Wouldn't you have <laughs> called the police and been like, listen. And said, my daughter's in the TV. What are you going to do or about it? Or at least my daughter's missing. But what? You're going to sit there and be like, while the police do a search around the neighborhood and you know perfectly well she's in the fucking TV. What would that do? Well, but they didn't know she was in the TV. They... They only knew that they could reach her via the TV, but at the, back in that in those days, you could turn on each other's TVs with your remote controls like they do in the movie. They, it, it could have just been coming in on a weird frequency. She could have been in uh, his boss's basement, since his boss was a <laughs> fucking creep anyway. Prove I me mean, wrong. These I'm people not... are crazy. It's just when you have shit floating around in the room upstairs... <laughs> And you know that weird shit has been happening. And all of a sudden you can talk to her through the TV. Why would you think that, like, it was anything other than that? Okay, but then go to a church. Find a witch. Talk to a Native American. Like, anything. Be like, hey, something fucking weird is happening here and we don't know what it is. Can you point us in the right direction instead of having spaghetti and meatballs and then sitting down to talk to Carol Ann on the television? (laughs) I probably would have done something. Well, I think that's why they go get the paranormal investigators. I mean, probably spending a little time trying to figure out who the fuck they could even tell this to that would believe them. I would have had at least some idea. I would have gone to a priest. She, uh, Carol Ann had been in the television so long, they had established protocol. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if when they pulled her out, she had a fucking driver's permit. I was like, this girl has been in the television for decades. It's like Jumanji. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't defend their actions. It's a fucking, it's a a fucking movie. Like, like, of course they're going to do stupid shit. They don't move out of the house until the very end. Which was bizarre. And then spent a final night in it. She, the mother is like super fucking excited about the fact that like her shit's moving around and her daughter's getting pulled across the floor. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that these are smart people, that they're good people or that they're even necessarily understandable people. I'm just saying it's a fucking movie. And sometimes you have to kind of go, okay, this is what they did. I think, I think this house must have been painted with lead paint. That's the only that's the only reasonable explanation for these people's actions. I was saying to David, because David was saying how much he liked this movie, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is ridiculous. And David was like, no, I love this movie. And I was like, if you like this movie and you didn't like Halloween Kills, you're insane. I mean, I can't. I can't necessarily argue with that. <laughs> but no, I like this movie despite the fact that it's ridiculous, not... Actually, kind of because it's ridiculous. So, I don't know. Like, it's just fun. Like, it's fun to watch them do stupid shit. And it's really fun to watch Zelda Rubenstein come in and completely shit the bed. She is the saving grace of this movie. She's amazing. 
But she also says this house is clean and then walks out and then all this other crazy shit happens immediately after. Yeah, that part was a big mistake. I will give her, though, that she did get Carol Ann back. She did get Carol Ann back. Um, it, it's also one of my favorite moments in the entire film <laughs> is when she's like, I'm going to go in there and get her. And the mom's like, you don't know what you're doing. And she, she says, you've never done this before. Neither of you. And she's like, you're right. You go. <laughs> you go. <laughs> she's literally like, I'm going to go. She's like, no, I'll do it. And she's like, okay. <laughs> like, literally, no fight. She was like, you're correct. You go. No, but that's what I'm saying. I think that this movie is supposed to be a little bit ridiculous. I don't think that we're supposed to take this 100% seriously. Do you think? I do think. I don't know. (laughs) I'm having a hard time. Because it, like, Malignant is, like, basically camp. Yeah. This movie is, like, it lays in some, like, weird halfway point. Because there are people who actually think this movie is scary. Like, they think of it as, like, a horror movie. Yeah. I don't think of this as a horror movie. I mean, I don't think it's scary by any stretch. But, again, when I was younger, like, I thought the kid getting sucked into the closet was creepy as hell. I thought the clown was scary. I thought... The clown was scary. You know, it's... It does play off of some very primal fears. It just does them in a ridiculous way so they're not scary. Yeah, I don't, I guess that's the thing that didn't really make sense to me about the poltergeists in this It's also, (laughs) this is like my one little thing about this movie that drives me absolutely fucking nuts, is they explain the difference between a poltergeist and a haunting, and then they, the name of the movie is Poltergeist, and it's not a fucking poltergeist. Yeah. It's a haunting. It's a haunting. (laughs) So it's just, that's my one little, okay, this drives me fucking nuts, and this doesn't make any sense moment. But But that's kind of why... I don't know. There's something there's something weird about this. It's like a weird foray into horror for Steven Spielberg where he has like one of the most immaculately made horror movies. Mm-hmm. And then this. <laughs> it's like, how do you... How do you... This literally puts in my book, if Jaws gave him an A in the class, this gave him a C. You know what I mean? It's like, this literally cut his score in half. (laughs) I don't know how to quantify it. (laughs) Again, I'm I'm not saying it's scary. I'm just saying it's a good movie and it's a fun movie. I mean, that's that's fine. I'll give it to you. Thank you. Uh, As your opinion. Now... (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into... uh, Let's get into this movie. Okay. Why do you think this has become such a horror classic? I think it's because of the scares. I think that, again, I don't think that they're especially scary, but they're very inventive. Like what? Like, there aren't too many movies I've seen where people get eaten by trees. Lord of the Rings. (laughs) But Lord of the Rings (laughs) is not a horror movie. No. And came after. It did. But... The closet sequence is frightening. I think the guy peeling his face off in the bathroom. Yeah, that was is, one of the moments that I was like, at oh. least gross. That moment did get me. I was not not scare me, but it was like, oh, I'm I'm here for this. And Zelda Rubinstein's performance in this film is basically legendary at this point. I think she's honestly 
I think she's honestly why this movie is so prolific. Because if it weren't for her, I think this probably would have been a lot more middle ground. It would have been a bit more mediocre. Even if that character had been played by someone else. Yeah, I don't think that there's another actress that could have pulled it off. Not not in a way that felt realistic in any way. No. And her portrayal does feel strangely realistic. I actually really loved the moment with Steve. Yeah. When when he's like, if she's clairvoyant, I was trying to ask her a question with my thoughts. Why didn't she? And she's like, I did. Mm-hmm. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. Zelda Rubenstein does make this movie what it is, in my opinion. I don't know if anyone else really does. I I would argue um, that Jo Beth Williams does a good job. She does do a very good job with very little. Yeah. No, I I see where you're coming from. But I think that Diane is kind of a fun character Hmm. because she's kind of an idiot. (laughs) And it's like. Just every decision she makes goes counter to any and all logic that you could possibly come up with, except the decision to jump in the closet instead of Zelda Rubenstein. Like, that's the only decision she makes in this movie that makes any sense at all. Oh, you mean you don't take your pants off when you dye your hair? <laughs> <laughs> is that is that foreign to people? She was like, I'm going to go fix my hair. Walks into the bathroom, drops her pants. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, which we don't hair know are you dying? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Diane, she's 32. Yeah. I am 32. I have never had to dye my pubes. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope dad's listening. So, <laughs> I was, because that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, we're just trying to get Diane into her underwear. Yeah, one- which. I frankly appreciated. I know you weren't not... bothered. I will say she was very sexy. Yes, she was. She is a very she's sexy a very good woman. looking woman. Um, but the moment made no sense. No, it didn't. She was like, uh, she was like, well, my children have just been sucked into another dimension. I finally have them back. I'm gonna put them in bed and take a bath. And I was like, in what world would you not like grab those kids, throw them in the car? Again, Robbie, because Robbie packs up and leaves like he's going to start a, a a new life in Sheboygan. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he literally like he like takes the dog and gets in a cab and leaves. And I'm like, where did this kid go? He goes I, to his grandmother's. They say that. No, they did. Yes, they do. Who? But wouldn't you drop the kid off at grandma's? You I mean, wouldn't be I like, agree. You don't just shove him in a taxi. You wouldn't with a dog. pin a twenty to that kid's collar and be like, "Best of luck. Here's the dog." He didn't even have a suitcase. I mean, I guess technically it could have been in the trunk already. Like they didn't show that part. I don't think so. I think he I got into the back so. of the car with a bandana and a golden retriever and said, <laughs> fuck this shit, and went to grandma's. <laughs> Supposedly. The golden Suppos- retriever allegedly a very grandma. realistic performance. One of the better actors in the film, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I cared more about that dog. The dog was like, these people. You saw it on his face every fucking moment. He'd be like, these people are so stupid. 
He was like, I need to get out of here. The second Robbie ran for the cab, he was like, check, please. I'm out. (laughs) He paid his tab and left. He was like, I'm going to grandma's. He didn't even come back. The dog was like, fuck these people. (laughs) Fuck these people. I'm leaving. The dog moved to Sheboygan. (laughs) I don't know why Sheboygan. I mean, wouldn't you? I would move to... I'd rather live in Sheboygan than wherever the fuck they were. (laughs) It was literally like... An Ellen Green fantasy. It was like, first of all, the worst fucking neighborhood. Yeah, the houses are kind of ugly. Ugly and stupid. And everything about it was horrible. I hate row houses. Track houses? Row houses? Um, I I don't know. I think it's track houses. Probably, yeah. Tracked houses? Something like that. Uh, The ones where it's literally just like the same house, just like over and over Like cookie cutter. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. And it happened a lot in the 80s, and it's the reason all the architecture now sucks. Um... Yeah, the uh, the worst awful. It was like I was watching the movie and I was like, I don't want any of these people to live. <laughs> I hope the ghosts eat them. I mean, I feel kind of bad for the older daughter. Like the older daughter, I feel like <laughs> responds correctly to this, which is just, I'm not going. I'm not going to be in this house. I mean, yeah, she goes to Laura's and she's like, deuces. I'm going to Laura's <laughs> and the Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like the what and she's like shh, 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 shh. and they're like where have you been and why do you have handcuffs on <clears throat> uh what's the oldest daughter's name uh dana i think dana it was it was dana and diane yeah oh god that's gonna bother you too I, everything bothers me there's nothing about this movie that that did not just grind my gears i was really not having it i do i'll give you the the positives for me um i thought the the meat crawling across the counter was Mm -hmm. fun it was funny to me (laughs) uh bob probably hated it yeah mostly as a vegan yeah um I liked the clown. The clown scene was probably the scariest. Uh, also, when did Nightmare on Elm Street come out? Was it 84? I think. I think it was 84. I'm going to have to look it up because uh, they kind of do something in this movie that they either emulated or was emulated in. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street was 1984. Then Wes Craven straight up stole her being like dragged up the wall by an invisible presence from this movie. Tina in Nightmare when she dies. Yeah, I know. It's like almost exactly like when Diane is attacked by the ghost in her bedroom in her underwear. (laughs) It's very similar. I don't know if I'd say it was stolen. I would say it was. I mean, Tina's flying around the fucking room and like bleeding all over everything. She's being dragged up the walls and cut up. But the way she is dragged up the walls and even the fact that she is in her underwear is like. I- I'm, I'll am i be kind and call it an homage. <laughs> okay. I guess you can do that. I, I thought don't... it was very similar. You didn't feel that way? No, I don't. I think it's just a scary thing. 
and it's quite possible that two people thought it was scary. One two years after the other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What did you like most about this film? I think it's hilarious. I think that's my favorite thing about it is just every single time they make a decision, it's just, what are you stupid? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes, I'm stupid. Which is why they are the worst parents in uh, literally, I'm going to say, I'm even going to give credit to the aliens. I'm going to say the universe. <laughs> I don't even think their their stupidity is restricted just to this planet. I think even on even Martians would be like, why are you still in this fucking house? I, I mean, once Carol Ann is in the TV, you can't really leave. I would have left. She wasn't that cute. <laughs> No, frankly, I don't understand the haircut. It's bizarre. It's very like Village of the Damned. She's it's also not, creepy. She is creepy. The character, she's a creepy not the kid. actress. No, I, I mean, she's six, so I, I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to say. I have met creepy six-year-olds though, so well, I'm not yeah. above saying that Heather O'Rourke was a little <laughs> creepy. No, it's just she has that like really high voice and she looks like a doll and it's like it's she's, ve- just, her features she's are very, very unsettling. Dull. Yeah. So it's like absolutely no tea to Heather O'Rourke, who unfortunately passed away very shortly after Poltergeist 2 came out. Mm. Um, because this is a cursed movie. <laughs> yeah. Because the older sister also was murdered the year that this came out. Really? Yeah, she was strangled by her boyfriend. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she died in 1982, so I think she died a couple months after the movie came out. How crazy. That's terrible. Yeah, no, it's awful. But Wasn't there other stuff? Because Heather O'Rourke <clears throat> became sick. Yeah. I, I, was it leukemia? It was something like uh, that. No, they thought it was a um, congenital like GI issue. That she had, like, there was something wrong with her intestine or something to that effect, and she went septic and died as a result of that. That's sad, too. It's very sad. This this movie never gets better. <laughs> <laughs> like, this movie, it's like, even after the credits roll, they're like, and guess what? <laughs> no, I mean... I think my favorite part of this movie is Zelda Rubenstein. I think everybody's favorite part of this movie is Zelda Rubenstein. Easily. But, and if for no other reason than just her voice is so much fucking fun, <laughs> like, <laughs> like there is not another human being on earth that sounds like Zelda Rubenstein. No. But just her walking around, like her hair is fucking all messed up and she's just <laughs> she's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Like, like this house gnome. is clean. It's yeah. like it fucking isn't. It isn't. You're not even clean. <laughs> and like they're falling into the bathtub with like pink goop all over them, and it's it's. I would it's love to great. know where the fuck they were. <laughs> Do you think Insidious drew upon elements of this movie? I think it might have. I think that there's a lot similar. I think Insidious actually does it better because the haunting is centered around one person and not the house. I agree. But I I think that that was kind of centered by this movie and this, what this movie did for the horror genre. I mean, I mean, I guess that's possible. It really solidified the haunted house as um, like a new horror thing 
because haunted houses obviously had a, had been a big thing in classic horror with like the haunting of hill house and uh and things like that 13 ghosts 13 like ghosts that. but this movie kind of took it to a new place where it was like um uh kind of like almost new age in its treatment of the ghosts because it was they were treated by psychologists and science and clairvoyance and things like that um this is the first time you see kind of the family under siege haunting yeah style yeah so i guess i guess yeah no it could be said that it kind of started a new subgenre but i think that it's not probably the best example of the genre <laughs> no i don't think it was um either. at least in terms of scares i think it's i think it fits it hits the plot points perfectly um except for maybe the fact that steve doesn't disbelieve for very long because that is a common trope in these movies like he, he actually i think deserves a little bit of credit for he sees the thing and goes oh okay there's something wrong you know I want to give him credit. And when it first happened, I did. Even when they go over to the neighbors and they're like, Jim, uh, are you having a mosquito problem? And he's like, I don't know. Timmy, have have you been having a problem with getting sucked by mosquitoes? And little Timmy's like, no, just Uncle Ted. It's like, <laughs> what? first of all, the neighbors are fucking crazy. But I was like, okay, good. This is like kind of different in in a weird way but then he suddenly becomes like weirdly skeptical when zelda rubinstein comes in and it's like you've been talking to your daughter through channel channel three for like a week and a half i don't know why this is the weird part i guess he just doesn't trust people women <laughs> he was reading a ronald reagan book <laughs> he trusts the other psychologist and she's she's a woman i don't know if he trusted her he tolerated her <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to start this campaign okay i'm starting the campaign that fucking steve uh freeling is a sexist republican <laughs> <laughs> okay if we must if we must uh i I will say, to its credit, this movie is very quotable. <laughs> I mean, apart from Zelda Rubenstein? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is one quotable line, and it is, mm -hmm. of course, the... Uh, I don't know, one of the more famous points of the movie. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you didn't move the bodies! Yeah. Which was like an inventive ending. <laughs> I'll give them that. But I guess I didn't really understand. Uh, isn't it supposed to be like Native American burial ground? Wasn't that a thing? Uh, no. In this instance, it was just a... Just a burial ground. Just a cemetery. Yeah. Okay. Then things make a little more sense. But... <clears throat> I will say about Steve that uh, I don't think he gets off scot-free by any means in, in all of this. I mean, I don't think any of them do. I don't I don't even really want to give Carol Ann too much credit. She's an idiot. Oh, yeah. But dumb as a bag like... of hair. 
like first of all she has that weird wednesday adams moment where she's like playing with the headless doll and i'm like what the fuck is this a uh, bunch of crazy fucking children <laughs> creepy ass little toddler but um one thing i will say i will give diane mm-hmm. a little bit of credit Because not only was she dealing with the stress of the safety of her children, Mm -hmm. but simultaneously she was dealing with her husband having an affair. And I think that that deserves attention. What? Oh, did you not feel that way? No, I did not feel that way. Oh, well, let's get into this then. Okay. The day the ghosts... Poof, disappear, house is clean. He's like, three o'clock in the afternoon? All right, honey, you go back inside with the kids. I'm going to run to work to pick something up. I'll be back later. And goes to work to pick something up and returns after bedtime? Where does he work? And comes back with nothing well he comes back with his boss so unless he's having an affair with his boss maybe he did (laughs) maybe the other woman is mr stevens i don't know but stephen freeling is having an affair nobody disappears for most of the day to get the pictures off their desk we also don't know what time he left the house like for all we know it could have been unless it was 7 30 this man is fucking somebody else Like, unless he left with the light, this man is having an affair. I guess? I I, I don't know. I just, I still think that the fact that he returns with his boss, kind of... For no apparent reason. No, really, just so he can yell at him about not moving the bodies. Yeah. He was like, I have to go pick up something from the office. It's my boss, (laughs) but I have to go pick it up. Empty your desk. He throws him over his shoulder and walks out. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Where did he go and why is he coming back with his boss? I really do think he's having an affair. I, I think Stephen Freeling is a, a a womanizing, abusive, abusive, sexist Republican. <laughs> I think that you're... He's abusive. He left his daughter in the television for weeks. <laughs> You say that like he could just go get her at any time. Forced his kid. He could have at least brought it to a repair shop and been like, you see anything in there? <laughs> like they, if they had tried everything else, wouldn't have, wouldn't you have gone to Sears? No. <laughs> no I, I would have done anything. I would have been like, uh, do you see a blonde girl in the circuit board? Like <laughs> anything. I'm just saying this man reads books about Reagan and kills his children. You really are stuck on that Reagan book. I don't care for it. I mean, I don't care for Ronald Reagan either, but at the same time, I'm not sure that that means he's a horrible human being. He's a psychopath. Steve, I mean. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about Ronald Reagan either. Steve is a psychopath. Because Ronald Reagan absolutely was a piece of shit, an evil piece of shit. He was an evil piece of shit. Steve is also a sociopath. He is a sociopath. He did push-ups on his bed. Nobody does that. That's bizarre. That is that is the mind of a serial killer. <laughs> Again, 
I think, a little extreme. I think given another, like, three weeks, he would have killed his family. <laughs> and moved I mean, to Nova Scotia. I don't know what he would have done. I, it, this man was was BTK in the making. <laughs> I don't know. I think he was just under a lot of stress. You know, his daughter is stuck in the television. His other daughter is getting sexually harassed oh, by no. construction He workers. was doing push-ups on the bed well before she got sucked into the TV. They were smoking pot and doing push-ups, and he's, like, dancing on the bed. I was like, you deserve everything you get. You are really harsh. I don't like him. And I, I don't like any of them. I don't... I, this whole family. I was like, even the even the psychologist, I was like, she's definitely got a few kids in her basement. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't think she was creepy? No, I didn't think she was creepy. When I thought she was kind of, an al- she's kind of an alcoholic, but she's, she's not well, creepy. <laughs> <laughs> she, she is an alcoholic but then she's talking to Robbie and she goes like glassy eyed and bloodshot and she's like smiling eerily at him and she's like some people go towards the light some people don't ah. and you're like I don't remember that last part run run for your life child get your $20 and call another cab because this woman is going to strangle you with a bottle of Jack Daniels she's going to kill you I mean I guess I I don't know I thought she was fine I thought she was at least as believable as any of the other like ghost hunter people that get brought in in a haunting movie I think she did fine I thought she was psychotic like she believes them instantly which is always a plus and like does actually try to be helpful to the best of her ability I mean I don't think that that scene with her is especially creepy oh I thought it was creepy as fuck I'm surprised you didn't think it was creepy no I think she's just talking to the kid like it's not I didn't pick up any creep from it like she's Santa with a secret (laughs) she's talking to him (laughs) She's talking to him like she's going to climb through the chimney later. In which direction, I'm not sure. (laughs) I think she just does it for fun. She drinks a bottle of Jack and climbs the chimney. I don't know. So let's let's get down to uh, brass tacks. Do you think this movie is still scary to children today? To children, yes. I would would argue that it would still be scary. Yeah. Do you think they would understand it? I don't know that they would, but to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure I 100% understand it. So it's like, (laughs) you know, what are you going to do? I I think more the technology would be confusing to them. Well, yeah, at this point, I think the technology would be confusing. If nothing else, the remote control thing would probably throw them for a loop. The remote control thing would throw them for a loop. I don't think they'd understand that there was a time in in the world where the television played the national anthem and then the cable shut off for a few hours every day. <laughs> I don't think that's something they would, like, understand. No, I don't think so either. But at this point, it's a period piece, so what are you going to do? Pe- wow. And Jessica was born a year before it came out. She was born in a different period. <laughs> you know you're I mean, going to get a, call, a phone call about this. <laughs> I mean, I'm only four years behind her. It's not like... I'm many. 
<laughs> not that many. Uh, I, I, I was not very far behind you both, but I was in a different period. <laughs> a, okay. A more current one, I think. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think that... I don't think that the technology would be so distracting that they wouldn't get scared. I think, if nothing else, again, the tree eating Robbie is a scary sequence. The clown mm. is a scary sequence. I think some of the special effects might throw them a little bit because mm. those did not necessarily age well. They didn't hold up much. No. Um, I do like the evil Muppet at the end. The evil Muppet is one of my favorite things about this about this movie. The one in the closet? No, the thing that keeps Diane out of the Oh, the, the the skeleton horse dog. Yeah. Yeah. I I I liked that as well. It seemed fun. I think I could have taken it. <laughs> which is how I felt in the moment. I was like, I could probably fight this horse dog. I think it's not that intimidating. It's like Falcor with no skin. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but if you were like it was also like taller than her and hmm. like made of ectoplasm, so what's she gonna do? Punch it? I would have tried. <laughs> I mean, she. One thing I will say about Diane is she doesn't really. Though she is emotionally strong, she doesn't really put up much of a fight in this movie. I mean, I would argue she's trying real hard to get to them when the closet is trying to suck them in again. Yeah. But that's really it. Also, she has kind of a funny moment. I don't know if you noticed it. Mm-hmm. When she realizes something is going on upstairs, she runs upstairs from the backyard, from the pool. Yeah. And immediately, like, looks around for their bedroom. I and did I, not notice that, no. And I was like, have you been here before? I was like, have you literally been smoking from the moment you moved into this house? Because <laughs> I don't think any of the adults in this movie really know where they are or what they're doing. I mean, that's fair. They don't, they certainly don't act like it. No. But I, I do love her screaming at the neighbors. Which like, one? When she when she first gets out of the pool, when they pull her out of the pool, and she's like screaming at them to help her, and oh, she's like, "Ben, get your fucking ass!" Yeah. In there. <laughs> and the wife is like, "Or we could go home because you're clearly fucking crazy." <laughs> and the wife's but, like, "No, don't! I don't think we should go." And she's like, "Get your ass inside!" <laughs> After they pull her out of the pool with the real skeletons in it. Yeah, and they're like staring staring at these fucking. Uh, Staring at these fucking skeletons like, oh, look who's here. <laughs> Should have realized. Um, yeah, I don't know. She uh, she has a lot of attitude, and I'll give her that. A lot of gumption. <laughs> I like, I, I would say Diane is one of the more likable characters in this family. I think so, too. I think that she's semi-understandable most of the time. I still don't know that I can forgive her for sticking a fucking football helmet on her youngest and letting her slide across the room. But generally how she treats them before the haunting. Yeah, it's... She's like literally a psychopath. (laughs) 
I mean, there's one point where they're all like sitting at the kitchen table and they keep like hurling insults at each other. Yeah. And I was like, the 80s were wild. I was like, uh, I almost called her Reagan. I was like, Carol Ann was like, you're a slimy sack of scum sucking shit, you butt fucking <laughs> beaver licking shit gibbon. And she's like, that's a good one. I was like, Diane. <laughs> I was like, how about tell her no? Stop doing that. The The kids in this movie just had free fucking reign. I guess the 80s were a different time. The 80s were a much different time because these kids were psychopaths. Kids in the 80s would talk to anyone. It could have been like, it could have been like an eight foot chainsaw with a knife collection and kids would be like, what's your name? I was like, why were kids in the 80s so fucking dumb? Well, that was before the whole like stranger danger thing. That was kind of the midst of the stranger danger thing. That was the satanic panic. But that's mostly like mid to late 80s. This I is mean, 1982. I suppose. I suppose. I'll give it to you. But Thank you. I think that the children are still dumb. No, the children are absolutely <laughs> still dumb. But I think that... I think one of my favorite moments with Diane is when she's trying to flush the bird down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not entirely sure how that was supposed to work. It I was, was a rather like, large bird. I was but, like, <laughs> what? In the world is this supposed to be? It might as well have been like a fucking emu. I was like, <laughs> why is she flushing a bird down the toilet? I was like, were these people raised by wolves? I don't understand why none of them understand how the world works. Also, she flushes the toilet first and then like holds the bird over it. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just drop the bird in and then flush the flush toilet? Flush the toilet. Like, why would you? <laughs> because she's never flushed a toilet because she's a psychopath. <laughs> Everyone in this movie, they just shit in the woods. So they didn't know what the purpose of the toilet was. They thought it was for giving swirlies to Carol Ann. To be fair, Carol Ann kind of deserves a swirly. Like, she is... I know, again, that I'm shitting on a six-year-old, but she is the most annoying fucking thing. She really is. Like, especially with the bird. When she's, like, putting licorice in there with him. And, like, I know it's supposed to be, like, kind of sweet and, like, oh, she doesn't understand death. Like, I I, I get that. But it's just, it's annoying as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, you're just going to let this little kid flush licorice down your toilet? <laughs> well, they bury it in the in the backyard. Oh, in the cigar box. Yeah, in the cigar box. Yeah. Um. It's funny you should say that because I had to go back and rewatch because I was very confused when the mom comes in. I must have been doing something else because I was like sewing while I was watching this movie and did not realize that they buried it in a cigar box. And when then they come inside and the mom is like looking at the chairs because they've been, they've all been pulled away from the table mm-hmm. and Carolyn like scares her. She's like, what do you want me to get buried in a cigar box covered with licorice? I was like, this woman <laughs> is a I was like, where did this come from? She's like... You just thought that that was just... I thought it was like a weird saying, like she was a psychotic Willy Wonka. I was like, what the fuck is Diane's problem? You just thought that was just how she thought people got buried? Honestly, would it have been that uh, unbelievable? I guess not. I mean, all things considered. I think... I think Diane has issues. Yeah, they all kind of have issues, but again, Relating I think that's reality. what makes it fun. <laughs> Listen, that's fine. If you enjoy the movie, I'm fine with it. 
I I had a hard time suspending my disbelief at a certain point because it's like in any horror movie I'm the, I'm a big proponent of suspension of disbelief in a movie like The Conjuring or Insidious or Halloween Kills it's like I can I can suspend my disbelief I'm very good at it but there does come a certain point where it's like if you don't make any good decisions some of this is on you Again, I guess that's fair. I just, I think it's more fun when they make dumb decisions because then crazy shit happens. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it. It's to just you. a different kind of fun. Like it's it's a different kind of. It's like a Friday the Thirteenth. Kinda, yeah. With ghosts. Yes. <laughs> and Zelda Rubenstein. And Zelda Rubenstein. I feel bad because I feel like I have not given her the credit that she deserves in this movie. Um. She, first of all, is like the most amazing little lawn gnome that <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. She is a, a savior. And frankly, that monologue that she has to do about like the other world, I was yeah. like, good for you, girl. I was like, she didn't even blink. <laughs> that was That was a lot. It was a lot. Good for yeah. her. Do you think that this movie shaped the way you view the afterlife at all? No. I'll, I'll, I'll be 100% <laughs> honest with you. I don't think it did at all. Not even a little bit? No. I, th- I think that... I think now as an adult, it's like I kind of get what they're going for. And I don't believe something that's entirely dissimilar but at the same time i don't think it came from this movie okay i mean that yeah you mean in that you have a you have your own beliefs about the afterlife or f or whatever happens next and it just kind of happens to slightly coincide it happens to be similar as to how i believe ghosts happen okay so yeah. I don't think that, again, I don't think it came from Poltergeist, but I think they kind of lined up a little bit. Do you think it's far-fetched to think that a construction company would leave the bodies? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> I don't think it's that far-fetched. You're like, there was a time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I think that, you know, capitalism is evil. And yeah, no, I don't have a hard time believing at all that they would move the headstones and leave the bodies. Yeah, I did. that was one of the only, like, believable parts of this movie for me. I was like, yeah, I could see this being a thing. It made the Reagan book a, a bit more poignant. <laughs> and one of the things I did note is that I wonder if the Reagan book was meant to show him as just being, like, worldly and educated. Mm-hmm. Or if it was a, like, subtle nod to The Exorcist. That would be a really subtle nod. It would be very subtle, but it is kind of funny that both stories center around a girl who is tortured by ghosts and who needs to be saved by her family. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the thing is, like, Carol Ann... She's not as fleshed out or endearing. Yeah, no, she's not as fleshed out or endearing. And you never really feel like she's in quite as much danger as Reagan is. And I think that 
Well, because like, with Reagan, you see you see what's happening. What's to happening her. to her? Yeah. And it's like Carol Ann. It's it's again. It's kind of funny because she's talking through the TV. You know, it's it's not particularly you, you, at no point in the movie are you like, oh my god, are they going to get this little girl back? Yeah, especially like, when they're like, not now, hun. The Simpsons are on. It's like she, they like won't talk to her. They're like, honey, the antenna's crooked. Can you fix it? And she's like, okay, I'm not talking to you anymore. And he's like, I'm going to spank you. And she's like, okay, fine. That is another one of my fucking favorite moments of this movie is when Zelda Rubenstein is just yelling at the parents to do shit that they don't want to do. I know. And it's like, <laughs> it's like she's like, you have to do everything I say. And they're like, okay. And then she does makes them do stuff. And they're like, I hate you. I hate you I for that. And it's like. That was uh, one of my, one of my notes for, for Miss Zelda. Uh, I said something like, oh, what did I say? Oh, uh, she says something to the extent of, will you do anything I ask, even if it goes against all your beliefs as a Christian? And the mom's like, yes, yes, I will. And she's like, all right, find the pearl in this oyster, bitch. Dun, 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 dun. Like, I was oh, like, oh, my God. God, this is like a weird lesbian porno with Zelda <laughs> Rubenstein. Okay, I guess so. Because <laughs> it was like the wording of it. She was like, will you do anything I say, even if I, it goes against your beliefs as a Christian? It was like, oh, we've crossed into a new territory. <laughs> <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein is definitely hitting on Diane. Also, her name is Tangina. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, which they never say aloud in the movie. They say it once. Do they? The dad says it once. He's and I think it's Tangina, but it's oh, okay. um, it is spelled T A N G I N A, which is Tangina. <laughs> that is <laughs> just the way. That's English. Yeah, Tangina. Yeah, <laughs> and then she asks her if she'll do unChristian things, and I was like, mm, you better listen to Tangina. <laughs> I mean. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. I, I get where it you're does. coming from, but... <laughs> it's sexual. She's a little elf. She's going to... <laughs> she is going to turn you into a homosexual, non-Christian, child-saving mother. <laughs> I, that's my firm belief. I think... Okay. I think that Tangina really only came there to get her rocks off. And then she was like, tell her you'll spank her. I was like, this woman needs to chill. <laughs> She's going a step too far for the first 24 hours. You know what I mean? Dad never would have. No. I think we'd still be in a TV somewhere <laughs> if Dad had been a freeling. <laughs> well, Do you? I mean, Dad, I don't think would have believed to start with so i don't think we would ever would have gotten to the point with zelda rubenstein and mm. the so, so psychologists but yeah dad would be the one taking apart the tv trying to figure out if, <laughs> where we were yeah. <laughs> but and then trying to figure out how to put it back together <laughs> <laughs> but you know i don't i don't think that this would have gone very well for us if if it wasn't the Freelings, if it was us instead, I think that I think that we would be in a lot of trouble. I have a I have an honest question for sure. you. 
if you and Sarah Mm -hmm. had a child. Yes. And that child disappeared one day while you were fighting a tree. Yeah. And Sarah told you that she thought your child was in the television. (laughs) Would you believe her? Probably not instantly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a crazy theory. I I mean, it's also technically Caroline is not in the TV. She's just talking through it. If Sarah told you that Caroline was talking through the TV, would you believe her? We would never have a daughter named Carol Ann, so there's a problem with that thesis just to start with. <laughs> okay, Carol Carol Jean. <laughs> Carol, if Carol Jean was talking to you, or Tangina, let's go with Tangina. If okay. Tangina was talking to you through the television set, yeah, would you believe that she was actually in another realm? <clears throat> I mean, once I'd heard her speak through the TV, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of other logical explanations available you wouldn't think it was like picking up a uhf signal from timbuktu i don't know some place i mean that's not really the way tvs work anymore so no Mm. let's say it was 1982 (laughs) (laughs) and you and sarah had a baby named tangina (laughs) and it got sucked into the tv and she was talking to you through the tv Mm -hmm. do you believe when Sarah says she thinks Tangina is in a ghost universe in the television. Probably not, no. No? No. I think I would have a hard time believing it. But I'd give it a whirl. <laughs> like if David was like, Tangina's in the television, I'd be like, okay, sure, why not? <laughs> Anything could happen once. <laughs> I mean, I'll have to be honest, I would probably be like, okay, so we're moving because that was my least favorite child anyway. <laughs> Tangina. <laughs> but like, I mean, if you're going to name the kid Tangina. Like, what were, what were your other you children's like names? I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying Tangina, uh, Jeffrey, and uh, Clithereal. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a, like a, like a Renfair name. Okay. Calathriel. I don't hate my children, except apparently Tangina. So. Even Eurythral. What was it? Calithriel. Calithriel. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what you said. Ulysses. <laughs> Ulysses. Ulysses, Jeffrey, and Tangina. These are okay. your children. Okay. <laughs> Which one's your favorite? <laughs> Out of those, probably Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey was always the favorite. Um. All right. I think I'm calling it on Poltergeist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did we miss anything? Did I, is there anything <clears throat> I didn't get to with you? I don't think so. I think we hit it. I think we hit most of the points. If there's something we missed, by all means, please uh, let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Poltergeist and why it is or isn't one of your favorites. Also, we want to give a huge shout out. We just got a new patron on Patreon. So hello to Selly uh, Moon. Welcome to the party. We have a brand new patron enjoying our mini-sodes on Patreon.com. And you can join Selly too by going to Patreon.com slash MySpookyGayFamily. So hello, Selly. Nice to see you. And uh, that's about it. We will be back on Monday with a brand new mini-sode on Patreon and a brand new episode wherever you're listening right now next Thursday. So until then, 
stay spoopy and remember. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from Poltergeist, distributed by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and United International Pictures 1982. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions.